I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily. For Tuesday, March 22nd, we'll recover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in about seven minutes. Brett, yesterday, which was Monday, which was the first full day of spring here in Ontario, was also the first day where the mask mandate was lifted. How did it feel? Feels good. You know, I'm, I obviously, I respect and reaffirm anybody who wants to continue wearing their mask during these times. But for me, I took it off and I was, you know, walking through the WeWork I was in and going into the building and in my condo. And it's just nice to take it off. At the very least, though, it just feels like we're one step closer to being over with COVID. And that I'm, I'm most excited about. Yeah. And I can only speak for the, I didn't really go anywhere, but I can speak for the many of the kids at my kids' school are still wearing masks. So there's going to be a discrepancy between people who have kids in school, people who don't, between people who have kids under five and people who don't. But it was nice to see people out and about maskless for sure. And I know it's not the same. I know it's not true for the entire country yet. I, I think in BC and most of the West, BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and I believe Manitoba, they've now gotten rid of it. However, uh, Quebec, where I'm actually going to this weekend, they still have the mask mandate in place and will likely have it until I think they said mid-April. And so, and I think that's same for much of the East Coast as well. So it's not true everywhere, but it is just, you know, baby steps here. I'm excited about it. It feels like after two years, we're finally kind of on our way out and then there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm, I'm excited about that. So anyways, it's been a good day. Masks off, first day of spring, trade deadline for the NHL, lots going on. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, so far so good. Aside from all of those things that are in positive directions, Brett, what do we have for Peak Pals? For our first story, copyright showdown. For our second story, NFT restaurant. And for our third story, Deutschland deal. For our first story, two Canadian biopharma companies, they're both confusingly named similarly, Arbutus and Acuitas, are embroiled in a legal battle regarding the patent rights to a key delivery method for both the Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines. Brett, this sounds a little bit like two Davids versus two Goliaths. What's the latest in the vaccine wars? Yeah, well, so the Acuitas has filed a suit against Arbidus, it's very confusing, in an attempt <laughs> to head off claims that they are infringing on Arbidus's patent rights for technology found in COVID vaccines that use lipids to transport immunity-boosting mRNA particles. Now, Arbidus claims that Acutus researchers used technology it had already created in a, in a patent, while Acutus says this is not the case. Now, the dispute is really so contentious because this technology holds the potential to effectively combat diseases like HIV, influenza, Zika, and rabies. Zika is like the original COVID. Remember when that was the, like a, the biggest thing in the world? I do. And here's some background. Arbutus and Acuitas are like Romulus and Remulus, once brothers, now foes. Acuitas was formed in 2009 by two scientists that helped found, of course, Arbutus, but broke away after they claimed the company was, quote, no longer interested in supporting their work. But this is not the first time they've gone to court over who owns the Lipitech with a filing in 2015 that was settled out of court. Here's why it matters. So feuding over the minutia of intellectual property threatens to harm the future use of the lipid technology and damage medical innovation both tomorrow and today. The litigation is creating confusion for organizations that are trying to produce their own vaccines, like African researchers trying to make it so the continent doesn't have to import 99% of its vaccines from elsewhere, as they don't know who to contact for the licensing of lipid tech. Do they contact Arbutus or they contact Acutus? Who owns it? Right. And basically what we should be crowning achievement for Canadian biotech has been tempered by petty litigious battles. And the combat could have negative consequences for future vaccine development here and elsewhere. You know, I could use less petty litigious combat <laughs> in my That's, life today. We usually try to reserve that for the U.S., but I know what you're saying. Yeah.
For our second story, Los Angeles restaurateur Andy Nguyen is looking to demonstrate how the power of NFTs can translate into building a real-life brand. How's he doing this? Well, he's opening the first NFT-centered restaurant. Jay, it doesn't sound great. Do you want to elaborate more on what Andy Nguyen is up to? I will try. The Long Beach Fast Casual Hamburger Restaurant, which is funny, called Bored and Hungry, will bring to life the Bored Ape Yacht Club Cartoon Apes, a popular NFT series minted on the Ethereum blockchain. Now, the Bored Ape Yacht Club represents an exclusive community of NFT holders, including celebrities and social media stars who own a piece of the popular crypto art collection. To gain access, Nguyen reportedly dished out $267,000 for the Bored Ape number 6184, which is hyped. Uh, it's an NFT, which kind of looks like a sad ape in a striped shirt. $300,000 for a hamburger. Is it worth it? Well, that's, you'll be, be the judge of that. Bored, <laughs> Bored Ape holders will be invited to the grand opening of Bored and Hungry with a variety of merch, Web3, and NFT-related surprises planned. And this is all according to National Restaurant News. Jay, I'll see you there. Ewan, who's known for creating restaurant concepts and dishes that go viral, is looking to make a statement. I have to say, mission accomplished, and let the world know that a JPEG has the potential to turn into its own brand and ecosystem in the restaurant world. And he may be testing concepts for other brands too, including Houston-based Trill Burgers, as he develops other crypto-related restaurant aspects, including a Bitcoin ATM that will enable you to pay for your cheeseburger with digital currency, just not as many cheeseburgers as you used to be able to buy. And Brett, do you want to zoom out on this and tell us if there is a bigger picture and what that might be? So NFT's first round popularity is digital collectibles, but a growing range of real world cases like exclusive restaurants and clubs may be a hint of things to come for the technology. Entrepreneur and internet personality Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, as many know him, uh, announced plans for a private dining club in New York open exclusively to holders of Fly Fish Club tokens. A music festival in Las Vegas this year will use NFTs as tickets that double as collectibles rather than sell traditional passes. And Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin suggested in a blog post that NFTs could be used to prove its owner has certain skills and experiences. Now, all the hype and possibility offered by NFTs, it still remains to be seen whether they will be here to stay or just another passing fad like Beanie Babies. And for our final story, Germany has agreed to long-term agreements with Qatar for the supply of liquefied natural gas, known as LNG, hastening the process of Germany cutting ties from Russian energy. Brett, it's interesting Europe responding to Russia's invasion of Ukraine with a pretty significant action. What's going on with Germany and Qatar? Right. So Germany is fast-tracking the building of two terminals to accommodate the import of liquid natural gas from Qatar. Now, Germany currently does not have any of these terminals. We actually just heard in our last episode of the one in Kitimat, see, and there's a lot going on there with liquid natural gas. Uh, and so right now they currently get all their liquid natural gas via pipelines uh, from Russia. And Russia is currently the largest supplier of energy to Germany, providing the nation with over a third of its oil and over half of its uh, liquid natural gas. And before the Russian invasion, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was set to bring even more gas into Germany. Meanwhile, the EU announced earlier this month that it wanted to reduce Russian gas imports by two-thirds by looking to other countries, which is an audacious move in an energy market that is already extremely tight. Now they're discussing something even more audacious, which is a total Russian energy ban. The EU's foreign ministers met on Monday to discuss whether or not putting sanctions on Russian energy, but came away divided. Now Germany moving to Qatari gas could help an energy ban move forward. See, while oil prices have fallen somewhat from their peaks last week, a further drop in supply would likely drive prices up again, making gas, and while well, just about everything else, 
more expensive. Now, look, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has really changed the world in some I, I, like seemingly meaningful ways. Germany is also in talks to source energy from Canada, uh, once again, raising the question of how much resources can Canada afford to send out as we deal with our own energy crisis. Now, Canada's role in helping out the EU with its energy crisis is set to be clarified on Wednesday at a meeting of global energy ministers hosted by the IEA, which you might remember as being the agency that tells you to, to work from home and tell your boss it's because of the energy crisis, and they're meeting in Paris to discuss all this. The bottom line is Germany sourcing energy from Qatar is a first step for the EU as a whole to move away from Russian energy, but other countries, including possibly Canada, will also need to lend a hand. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, you sold your NFT sappy seal. What if that could have gotten you into some exclusive club with Gary Vee? It could be the biggest mistake of my life. I'll put it that way. You'll never eat a burger again. Yeah. Have a good day, Brett. You too, Jay.